while you lift your hands one more time in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, we send our praise to you, Jesus. There's nobody like you. None that can compare to you. None that can take your place. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, I'm thankful for that name of the Lord, aren't you? Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Philippians, the second chapter, said, God has highly exalted him, given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Oh, I'm thankful to know him by name. Would you clap your hands to the Lord one more time all across the house? What a privilege, privilege it is to be back in the house of the Lord at Restoration Apostolic Church. We just love all of you so very much. We just count it a joy every time we get to come and be where the revival is flowing. If you don't know it, there's a harvest getting ready to take place. Jesus is getting ready to come back. And I just want to be part of the action of when he starts. And so we are give God praise for what he has done, what he is doing, and what he is getting ready to do. And we give honor to your fine pastor, his precious family. How, how many love Pastor Sister Walden? Anybody thankful? Love them so very much. So happy that my wife is with me, precious baby boy Shiloh. And he is officially two, and the terrible twos are in full swing. So you might even get a little taste of it before service is over. But we just love all of you so very much. If you have your Bibles, we're going to open, and we're going to read from the book of St. Luke, the 19th chapter. In the ninth verse, St. Luke chapter 19, verses 9 and 10. Give you just a moment to find your place. But a wonder, what a wonderful power and presence of the Lord that is here. And I know God is going to speak to us from his word. Luke chapter 19, verse number 9. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. If you want to know the reason why Jesus came, he tells us in verse number 10, the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. So with the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to preach to us today on this subject, the Savior search for souls. The Savior search for souls. Can we lift our hands? Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to speak to us. Father, in your name, we are thankful for every life that is here, every individual that is gathered in your sanctuary. God, we are asking for you to anoint your word, anoint these people to receive your word. And God, we give you praise and thanks in advance 
for what you are going to do in our midst. Pray in the name that's above every other name. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing with me. Well, we are reading in the 12th chapter of the Gospel of St. Luke, and we find Jesus teaching. And as he is teaching, he begins to speak about a parable. And in this parable, he tells of a certain rich man who farmed for a living. And on this particular year, brought in quite a harvest. So much so that he didn't have a big enough space to put all of his harvest. So he decided that it would be best to build bigger build greater and build grander and that in itself is not wrong that in itself is not necessarily bad but what he said next is what got him in trouble we find this rich man speaking to himself and he said soul take thine ease eat drink and be merry But as soon as he said that, God immediately spoke back to him and said this in verse number 20. He said, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. The Bible is so clear. It is so straightforward and emphatic that our souls matter most to God. Souls matter more than the house that we live in, more than the car that we drive, more than the degrees we have hanging on our wall, more than the following or popularity that we can attain to our souls matter most. Consider with me that one day our hearts will stop beating. One day our lungs will quit working. One day the blood will cease from flowing. But make no mistake, our souls will continue to live forever and ever and ever. Jesus said in Matthew the 16th chapter and the 26th verse, He said, What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Can I preach to somebody today? No matter what you have to give, if it costs you your soul, you got the bad end of the deal. Regardless of what you got in exchange, if it costs you your soul, you got the short end of the stick. You got ripped off in that deal because your soul is worth more than anything in this life. Uh, We find God beginning to speak to a prophet named Ezekiel in the 18th chapter in the 4th verse. And God makes a proclamation and a declaration. Straight to the point, God said, all souls are mine. You may think you have control of your soul, but God said your soul belongs to me. God is the one that made the trees to grow. God is the one that made the flowers to bloom. God is the one that hung the planets in the orbit and named every star. God is the one that made the sun to shine and the moon to glow. But when the Savior began the search... He did not search for birds that were chirping. When the Savior began His search, He did not search for ocean waves that were roaring. 
But when he looked through the universe and down through the corridors of time, there was only one thing that the Savior searched for. Only one thing that he sought for. Only one thing that he looked every single place for. He was looking and searching for souls. Don't, don't ever discount what extreme measures he will take for a soul. Don't ever discount how far he will go for a soul. He'll climb up mountains. He'll walk down valleys. He'll visit bars, stools, and clubs. He will go down into drug houses. He will visit schools and uh, career places and jobs. It don't matter where you are at. He will search for souls. Uh, we find him in Luke the 15th chapter. And Jesus beginning to speak in this parable about a certain shepherd who had 100 sheep. And 99 were safe. 99 were protected. 99 were not in danger. But this shepherd became concerned. He became bothered because there was one that was lost. Uh, something began to eat at the inside of the shepherd. Uh, it began to keep him up at night. It plagued his mind. Even though there's 99 safe, even though there's 99 where they are supposed to be, it's that one that has went astray. It's that one that has gotten wayward. I'm concerned. I'm worried for that one sheep that is lost. And Jesus said that good shepherd, he will leave the 99 and he will search for the one that is gone. He will search for that one that is lost. He will search for that one that has went astray. Hey, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, God will search for us no matter where we are at. He will look high and he'll look low. He'll scatter the earth looking for souls because the souls matter most to the creator of the ends of the earth. Not long ago, I was reading in Los Angeles. They were having a street sweeping day. So if you've ever been to a metropolitan, metropolitan city of that size, uh, you're likely to see these street sweepers coming through. And they are so large and big that they have to tell the residents to make sure you avoid these certain streets. Because when the sweepers are coming through, if you're on one of those streets, you're going to be stuck. Liable to be towed away because they have got to clean the streets while they have time. And so the city of Los Angeles, they would actually put signs on the main roads and even take out advertisements on television and radio, even put ads in the newspaper, made sure that nobody was caught off guard. Nobody was going to be left unaware. These streets are going to be swept by the sweeper, so you've got to avoid these certain roads. And so it was the Los Angeles Police Department that had the task of making sure everything was clear. And so one officer began his patrol. He was going down the various streets and everything was fine. Nothing was out of place. Nothing was out of order. Until finally he got on one of the very last streets. And to his amazement, there was a car parked illegally where it should not have been. And when he saw that vehicle... 
He almost became agitated. How could somebody not heed any of the warnings? How could somebody look beyond everything that's already been spoken? Signs have been put up. Advertisements have been purchased. And yet somebody is still parking on the wrong street. So he got out of his patrol car and made his way towards this vehicle. And sitting in the inside was a man. And the officer wrote out a ticket, explained to the man, you need to leave, and you need to leave soon. The tow truck has already been called. I don't want your car to be towed. So take this ticket, and I'm telling you, you need to leave, and you need to leave right now. And so went back to his car, went down the other streets, not thinking much of it. Finally, nearly 30 minutes later, he came back, got the call that the tow truck was there. And when he came back to that exact same street, he was left in a state of shock. That vehicle that he had already given a ticket to was still in the exact same location. Now, he got beyond agitated. He was angry, mad, and upset. Now knowing this car is going to have to be towed. And the man still is sitting in the driver's seat making no attempt to fix this problem. Got out and made his way towards the vehicle, knocked on the window, said, Sir, I need you to step out of the car for a minute. we got to remove this vehicle from where you are parked. Man sat there, unmoved, and finally the officer knocked on the window again. He said, Sir, I'm trying to be polite. I'm trying to be kind and cordial, but if you don't, Open this door and leave immediately. I'm going to have to open the door for you. Still, the man never moved a muscle. Finally, the officer, trying to do everything in a diplomatic way, opened up the door. And to his surprise, the man sitting in the driver's seat was dead. What the officer didn't know was, nearly 30 minutes earlier, the man was having a heart attack. And needed somebody to help him. But the officer was more worried about giving him a citation than giving him a savior. He was more interested in telling him what he was doing wrong rather than trying to help him out and get him on the right track. Do you know that when I read that, my mind instantly went to the word of God. Because we find some of the greatest Christians, some of the most powerful of preachers, stumbling in this very arena. The disciples were with Jesus in Luke the ninth chapter. And they came upon a group of men that were rejecting the teaching of Jesus Christ. And the disciples got so upset, got almost beside themselves, they turned to Jesus and said, Jesus! You know what you need to do? You need to open up heaven, send down fire, and burn them jokers up. You know how Jesus responded? Luke 9 and 56. He said, the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Jesus said, if you think I'm in the inter- interested uh, in the condemning business, you forgot the reason why I came. Uh, I didn't come to condemn the world. Uh, I've come to save the world. 
Oh, I'm so thankful to know that God is not interested in pushing us out. He's interested in pulling us in. He's not interested in knocking you down. He's interested in lifting you up. This God that we serve, He is here for one reason. He is here for one purpose. The reason why He left the hallelujahs of heaven. The reason why He left the celestial choirs. The reason why He left the eternal ecstasy of glory is so that a world that was lost would know they could be saved. He said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. But yet, over and over again, we find people being confused at His mission. It was in Luke, our text, this 19th chapter, that we find Jesus and a group had already gathered around to hear Him preach. And at the beginning of this chapter, we find there was a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, no stranger to Sunday school classrooms. Zacchaeus, the man that was short in stature. Uh, The one that was not very tall. He was unable to see Jesus because of the crowd. Zacchaeus was a rich man, but he was also a sinner man. But he heard about Jesus. Heard, no doubt, about the woman with the issue of blood that got down on her hands and her knees and maneuvered her way through the crowd and touched the hem of his garment. No doubt, this man had heard about the demon-possessed individual in Mark chapter 5 that ran to where Jesus was at, worshipped him, and got those spirits cast out. No doubt he had heard about the ten lepers that called out to the Lord and God healed them of the leprosy. So now was his moment. This was his time. This was the opportunity that he could never ever have again. So once he hears that Jesus is nearby, he begins to go to where this crowd has gathered, trying to push his way through, trying to step in between different ones, seeing if he could just get a glimpse, maybe if he could just get a peek at this man named Jesus, maybe if he could just get one opportunity to lay his eyes on him, that's all he would ever need. But no matter how hard he tried, and regardless of how much he pushed and maneuvered and tried to weave in and out of the crowd, he was unable to get to where Jesus was. So he began to look over, and not far away he sees a sycamore tree. See, sometimes you have to be willing to go to great lengths to get to Jesus. Sometimes we stop way too short. We try just a little bit, but we don't try nearly hard enough. You don't think so? I remember being in Indianapolis and the Indiana Pacers basketball team was in the same hotel. I'm going to tell you, there were people going to great lengths. They were climbing up escalators the wrong way. They were standing on top of elevators. Come on, somebody. They wanted to see them. And Zacchaeus heard about Jesus and said, "Uh, I'm not stopping short. I'm not ending this journey too soon. No matter what I have to do, and regardless of what needs to be done, I'm going to see him. 
so goes over to this tree, climbs up the sycamore tree, and when he gets all the way to the top, the Bible says he looks down and he sees Jesus. This is it. This is the reason why he came. The reason why the man climbed the tree. And just as sure as he looks down and sees Jesus, Jesus looks up at him and says, Zacchaeus, I've been looking for you. So you thought you were looking for me. But oh no, I've been looking for you. See, we think we come to God, but that's not really the way it works. God comes to us. We think we can come to Him with our own terms and our own rules. But brother, that's not how it transpires. Uh, It may cross your theology, but Jesus said, No man can be saved unless my Spirit draws them. Jesus wants us to know it's His Spirit that reaches for us. It's He that was searching for us. It was He that was looking for us. That's the reason if you feel anything within your heart, if you're feeling any pull on your soul, if you're feeling any tear well up in your eye, if you're feeling any butterflies in your stomach, that's God reaching for you. Don't take that for granted because if He's reaching for you, now is your chance. Because if He stops reaching, no matter how hard you try, you can never get to Him. Huh? It's He that searches for us. And when Zacchaeus was in this tree and he sees the Lord, he sees the Christ, he sees the Savior of the world, Jesus looks up at him and says, Zacchaeus, I want you to know I've been looking for you and today I'm coming to your house. This day is salvation coming to this house. And when Jesus said that, the people with him got mad again. They got upset again. Jesus, why would you want to go to this man's house? Why do you want to spend time with that individual? He is unethical. He is unrighteous. He is immoral. He is full of iniquity. He is full of sin. I can see Jesus turning around and saying, why do you think I came? I came for those that were hurting. I came for those that have done wrong. I came for those that made mistakes. I came for those that messed up. Hey, the reason why he came, he did it in a search endeavor. He did it with a mission in mind. He did it because there was somebody's soul that needed to be saved. Brother Jake's got somebody getting ready to help me out real fast. As they're getting ready to come, we're going to take this chair and put it right in front of the pulpit. And as they're coming, I want to leave you with this one last thought before I close. It was back in 1878. There was a man by the name of William Gladstone. And Mr. Gladstone was a member of Parliament. Thank you, brother, right there. I appreciate that. Pointed in that direction. Thank you. And so Mr. Gladstone was a member of Parliament. And he was brought to address the House of Commons. The reason why Mr. Gladstone was under fire. Princess Alice had died. And she had died very suddenly. There were so many questions, mystery that surrounded her death. And it was said 
that Mr. Gladstone knew why she died. It was said that Mr. Gladstone was the only one that saw her when she finally passed. So because of that, they demanded this man give an answer and a response. So Mr. Gladstone stood behind the podium and looked into the eyes of some of the most powerful men in the world. He gave an answer that he knew was not going to be sufficient. He said, Princess Alice died because of love. And he could tell immediately that was not accepted. Those men wanted to know the cause. They wanted to know the reason. They wanted to know what exactly took place. Mr. Gladstone went on and said, Well, to understand the death of Princess Alice... You have to understand first what happened to her child. Princess Alice had a young daughter. Just toddler age, not very old at all. Her daughter developed a sore throat. Nothing major or urgent. She complained. She couldn't swallow and complain. Her throat was hurting. and The princess really wasn't too bothered by it. Until it gradually got worse. Worse to the point that it was more than being unable to swallow. Her daughter began to choke, be unable to breathe. Finally, she knew something far more was happening. and So she took her to the doctors. Doctors that the very best that money could buy. Doctors that catered to royalty. That were the very best of the best. So the princess brought her daughter and they promised her they would run every kind of test, make sure they would find some kind of diagnosis. What exactly is going on in your baby girl? So the princess had to do one of the hardest things in life, and that is just to wait. There's nothing worse than knowing your child is sick and you can't do anything about it. Knowing no matter how hard you try, it's not within you to be able to alleviate the problem. So she waited ever so patiently. and Finally, the main physician came into the room where she was sitting. and said, Princess, I need to tell you what's going on. Your daughter has contracted a disease called diphtheria. Diphtheria is a swelling of the glands, took the lives of many kids in the late 1800s. Diphtheria is highly contagious. And we need to warn you and tell you that if you go around your daughter, if you begin to breathe the same breath as her, if you begin to hug her, cradle her, cuddle her, kiss her, it's likely you'll contract the same disease Because, princess, we need to tell you there is nothing we can offer. There is no medicine that we can give. Your daughter is going to die. The princess, trying to receive everything that was just said, are you sure there's no medicine that can be given? No prescriptions that you can offer to delay the inevitable? Nothing you can do to fix the problem? And the doctor told her, I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but there is absolutely nothing 
that we can do. But this is what we've been telling the parents to do. Princess, you need to go back home to the palace. Find a room where you can place your daughter. Make sure there's food and water for her to eat and drink. Make sure there's a way for her to use the restroom. And You put your daughter in that room. You shut the door and lock it. You let your daughter die in that room. And nobody's else, nobody else's life will be in jeopardy. And so the princess now, feeling like her world is crumbling, trying to understand what's happening. Just a few days ago, her daughter was just perfectly fine. Now they're saying there's no hope. And so William Gladstone said the princess did what the doctors told her to do. She went back home to the palace and placed her daughter in this room by herself. Gave her food and water and place that she could use the restroom. Mr. Gladstone said, but the princess did something else. She took this beautiful chair and she sat it right outside the door. So even though her daughter was in the room, she got this chair and she sat in that chair and refused to move. Regardless of what was needed to be done in the kingdom, regardless how many people needed her to come to their assistance, the princess stayed in that chair and refused to leave. Mr. Gladstone said it was bad. She sat there and would weep uncontrollably, knowing her daughter was dying and she was just letting it happen. I'm going to tell you, I read this story. Tears began to flood my eyes, thinking of what it's like holding a baby and thinking, knowing what it's like to have a child that's getting ready to perish and there's nothing you can do. The princess sat in this chair. Mr. Gladstone said the disease progressed until finally it was nearing the end. Her daughter was in that room and she was crying and she was screaming like she had done other times before. But this time she said something. She began to scream out. She said, Mommy, do you even love me? And the princess, when she heard that, she knew what the doctors told her to do. But she just could not sit there any longer. She got the key in her hand. Soldiers not far away said, Princess, you, we can't let you go in there. Uh, if you go into that room, you know what's going to happen. And the princess turned around and looked at those soldiers, some of those closest confidants. She said, I know I'm not supposed to go in, but my daughter will not die wondering if she has a mother that loves her. It's not going to happen. So the princess walked into that room. Her daughter was laying in her bed, shaking, convulsing. She picked her little girl in her arms and said, everything's going to be fine. Don't you worry, mommy's right here. She went and sat in that same chair, held her little girl tight, close. Daughter now suffocating, barely able to breathe, crying uncontrollably. She said, mommy, will you just kiss me and tell me I'm going to be better? Without thinking twice, the princess took this little girl and began to kiss her 
and love her and say, baby, everything's going to be just fine. Mommy's right here. Mr. Gladstone said it was in that chair that her little daughter died in her arms. Mr. Gladstone said, yes, there's a lot of mystery surrounding her death. And I know that I've been brought under question. It's been said that I was close to the princess, maybe closer than anybody else. He said, but I want to tell you why she died and how she died. I was the one that walked into the room. I was the one that was the eyewitness. And the princess was sitting in that same chair. She died of the very same disease. Mr. Gladstone said, so if you want to know why she died, she died because she was willing to lay down her life so that her child could be loved. And there was something about that statement, Pastor Walden. Something began to strike a chord in my spirit. She was willing to lay down her life so that her child, she knew she was going to die when she held that baby in her arms. She knew her life was coming to an end when she walked into that bedroom. But she did it anyway. I began to think about the reason why we are here. The reason why we gather together on every Sunday. The reason why we lift our hands. and The reason why we kneel down to pray. is because one day there was a Savior that searched the world. And Romans chapter 5 says, While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He looked and there was no other way. He tried to find another Savior. Tried to find some other plan. But there was none that worked. So the prophet said his own arm brought salvation. He looked down from the corridors of heaven. He looked down from the portals of glory. And he saw us with an incurable disease called sin. Nothing could fix it. Nothing could alleviate it. Oh, people try. People try to fix it with drugs and alcohol. People try to fix it with money and houses and cars. People try to fix it with entertainment and games. They try to fix that hole in their heart. But there's nothing in this world, friend of mine, that's going to fill that void. There's nothing... There's no man or woman. There's no relationship. There's no boyfriend or girlfriend. We are born with a disease called sin. And there is a Savior that left everything. The search was so great. He said, I know I'm going to have to die. But the soul's too valuable to me. I wonder today as every head is bowed, every eye is closed with nobody looking around. He was betrayed in the garden, but the search continued. He was smacked on his face, but the search continued. He had a crown of thorns plated on his head, but the search continued. He was whipped with a cat of nine tails, but the search continued. He was shamed in public, embarrassed in front of everybody, but the search continued. He had nails placed in his hands, nails placed in his feet, but the search continued. He was given vinegar to drink, but the search continued. He was pierced in the side, but the search continued. 
He was suspended between heaven and earth, suffocating, unable to breathe. Could have called legions of angels. But the search, the search mattered more. And there he hung, blood gushing out. He hung his head and died. But oh, that didn't end the search. He went down into the depths of hell and took the keys from the enemy and rose with all power in heaven and in earth. And he took the keys of hell and death. And no longer do we have to be afraid to die. No longer do we have to be worried where we're going to spend eternity. The Savior already came with the search. But I wonder this morning, is the search going to reach you? Are you going to respond? You can feel him moving all around the house. I can almost sense like he's walking up and down the aisles. I can almost feel him grabbing us in our state of depression. Grabbing us in our state of addiction. Grabbing us in our state of sin. And saying it was worth it all for one soul. Oh, every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, in the name of Jesus. God, I'm praying right now. Hey, Thomas, I rebuke the devourer and I bind the adversary. I take authority over the prince and the power of the air. I declare against every generational curse you are defeated. I plead your blood against all manner of confusion. I'm asking right now there would be peace that would move in this building. God, I'm praying right now there would be a drawing of the Spirit like never before. God, you would reach us. God, you would speak to hearts and minds. God, you would speak to souls right now. God, somebody today is contemplating. Somebody today is considering giving their life to you. Somebody's deciding whether or not to come down to an altar and pray. I pray, God, right now, the search would be so heavy they could not walk out of this place the same way that they came. They could not leave the sovereign sanctuary without knowing the search has come from my soul. Could you stand with me all across the house? Every head still bowed, every eye still closed. The songwriter said he laid the foundation. He opened up the way. What more can he do? I wonder if there's somebody today you would step out of where you're standing you like to join me at an altar and let God know I'm thankful that you searched for me. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, some are coming. Hallelujah. God bless you. Thank you. Somebody else. Come on. The Lord's trying to zero in on somebody right now. <laughs> yeah, you may not have realized it, but he's been looking for you a long time. <laughs> Uh, hey, you may not recognize it, but he's been watching you every step you've ever taken. Hey, he's seen every place you've ever been. Come on, this is the day you can be saved. Hallelujah. Maybe you've never repented of your sins. This is the day you can repent of your sins. Oh, 
maybe you've never been baptized. This is a day you can be baptized in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, prayer warriors. Come on, intercessors. Somebody else thinking about coming right now. Hallelujah. Oh, if there's just one soul. If there's just one soul. If there's just one soul, it'd be worth it all. Hallelujah. Hey, would you like to come in Jesus' name? Woo! Hallelujah. Maybe you're a guest of ours. Why don't you come? The Lord wants to bless you. The Lord wants to save you. In the name of the Most High. He's searching, he's searching, he's searching, he's searching.
Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands for a moment. Just worship the Lord all together across the room. Just worship the Lord. While those are still praying, just keep praying with them. Let's just worship the Lord. Thank him for his word. You can never thank him enough that he's so mindful that he would come seeking for you, looking for you. Hallelujah. Come to seek and save the lost. Come and seek to save the lost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Otando da bosota ya da la boca tahaya. Praise God. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. Ah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Jesus, we know he loves us, so let's lift our hands and our voices and love him for a moment. Hallelujah. Just pour your love out on him for a moment. Hallelujah. 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 We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Come on, saints, the invitation is there. Just come back to your first love. Come back to your first love. Come back to your first love. Hallelujah. 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 Just come back to your first love. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not trying to, to add to the message, but the Lord reminded me of something as we were praying and right before this message and interpretation went that being lost may not be a one-time thing. He came to seek and save the lost, those that have never known him but Psalm 119 176 the writer said I have gone astray like a lost sheep but his prayer was seek thy servant I'm yours Lord I'm I'm yours. Seek me. He hadn't forgot about you either. He hadn't forgot about that lost sheep, that one. But he's got to seek and save those that have never known him and those that have wandered away. I have not forgot your commandments. Seek me, Lord. Come on, lift your voice to him. Let that be your prayer right now. Seek me, Lord. If I've gotten off, if I've gotten astray, if I've wandered, God, then, then seek me because... I hadn't forgotten your word. I hadn't forgotten what you've done, Lord. Seek me.
Hallelujah. Listen. Listen. Sometimes we do our best, but we just find ourselves struggling. So we put on our best church face, and we try to act like nothing's wrong. But I'm telling you, the Lord today, He sees everything. He sees every struggle. He sees where you're wandering. He sees today, and He is a God of restoration. And today, I'm telling you, He's here to to bring you right back. To bring you right back. To lay you on His shoulders and bring you right back. Rejoicing, 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 rejoicing. Can we lift our hands one more time? Receive it. Lift your hands open like you're ready to receive something. Lift them with your palms up, ready to receive from the Lord. God, I'm ready to receive that restoration right now. Woo! I'm taking off the mask. I'm not putting on a brave face anymore. Lord, I need you. Seek me. Seek me. Oh, no more. No more playing around. No more hanging around the edges, Lord. Bring me back into the fold. Bring me back into the herd, Lord. Bring me back into the flock. Oh. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I wish several across this room could begin to lift up a, a tongue of praise and worship. Hallelujah, come on. That's it. Lift up a tongue of praise and worship. Ah. Let your soul rejoice right now. Let your spirit rejoice. Hallelujah. Come on, just rejoice in the Holy Ghost. Scripture always always records it. When there's one restored, there's a rejoicing. When something's restored, when something's found, they start rejoicing. Hallelujah. 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 When it comes back home, hallelujah, there's a rejoicing. When the lost one's found, there's a rejoicing. Yeah.
you could just begin to rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Come on, somebody. The Bible said to rejoice within that rejoice. You see somebody getting happy? Take them by the hand and start dancing with them. Start shouting with them. Hallelujah. Rejoice with them that rejoice. Come on. If you could see what heaven sees right now, if you could see what was making the angels happy right now, oh, we'd start dancing with them. Oh, to the Lord, my soul say yes to the Lord. 
Clap your hands, all your people. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord. Yeah. Do it unto the Lord. what happens when you say yes to the Lord hallelujah yes to the Lord I'm so thankful today for a Savior that will drop right down in the middle of us and seek us out sometimes you feel like well I'll get lost in the crowd you can't hide from the Lord hey he's the hide and seek champion of eternity you can't get too high or too low or too far. And he can't find you. When the Lord starts seeking, just say yes. I'm thankful for him. Come on, give the Lord a hand. Hallelujah. Hey, you don't even know. 
I watched some in here worshiping today and you don't have any idea but but when you just let go and worship like that it looses some things and it encourages some people and it influences the people in a good way when you begin to worship and, and just let God use you and you, you just step on out and lift your hands and, and maybe dance a little bit you, you never know you just might be the key going to unlock the service sometimes don't ever sit back on your worship <laughs> don't ever sit back on that praise God's going to use it I feel like we could get one more encore anybody ready to dance one more time you ready to say yes to the Lord one more time Come on, if y'all got one more in you, come on. Give you one more chance. Give him a hand clap and shout. Come on, really lift your voice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You know, there's one thing I never see the scripture ask me to do is to cry out in defeat. It never tells me to say uncle that's what we used to do to people twist their arm until they had to make them say uncle that meant they had to give up I never see where it says child throw in the towel but I just see where he encourages me and instructs me to shout unto God with a voice of triumph now you can lift that voice at any time before the trial starts, in the middle of it, and after it. There's no prerequisite determining when. He said, just shout unto God. Go into this thing knowing you got the victory. While you're in it, know you got the victory. And then just turn around look at the devil and say, I told you so when, when that victory is won. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Amen. Thanks be to God who gives the victory. I'm thankful. Thankful for him. Brother Doug, tremendous brother. Thank you. Love this family so much. Appreciate them. Praise God. You know, sometimes God puts people in your, in your life, and I'm so thankful that they've, they've put the Smith family in our, in our churches 
life because they always just speak and bless our church. We appreciate you. We pray for you guys all the time. God, use you mightily because I know there's a revival for this world. And I want to see you guys right in the middle of it. And hey, Rack, we're going to be in the middle of it right here. Tell your neighbor, so you're going to be in the middle of this thing, like it or not. (laughs) I'll drag you kicking and screaming. You're in the middle of it. Praise God. God's good. If you can be here tomorrow night at 7, prayer. We're going to have a great time with the Lord. Let's gather together. I want you to have a great day. Go out of this place knowing that victory's, uh, victory's yours. It's coming. It's coming. Amen. Praise God. Let the Smiths know how much you appreciate them. All of our visitors, God bless you. Give our visitors a hand today. We're glad to have you with us. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord with us. I want to give a shout to our music team today in choir playing and singing. Tremendous. For our kids' choir, our kids did a great job today. Thank you. Thank you. So let's, let's look forward to prayer tomorrow night. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. God bless you.